It's time for another episode of Squaring Up the Sharp. We're here the, a week before the Super Bowl, and uh, we've got plenty of news to talk about. I'm joined by my co-host, Austin Weinrich. How are you doing on this, uh, this Sunday, Austin? I'm doing... Uh, I'm doing... You know, I'm doing, and I'm doing. I'm doing. That's what the Eagles' new head coach, Nick... Uh, what was it? Casarini, I think his name is, or something? Probably, you don't even know. <laughs> That's like the worst opening press conference I've ever heard in my life. He was getting murdered on Twitter. Nick Sirianni. Sirianni. Uh, yeah, he's just doing his thing. Um, I've heard it called the I didn't read the book and I have a book report due <laughs> interview. It was bad. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I, I have not seen the, the actual interview, um, but I'm, I'm going to have to take a look at it because these, these initial press conferences with these coaches are always interesting. And we know firsthand from, you know, the Jets with Adam Gase and his, his bug eyes and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the initial press conference goes a long way towards telling you or giving you a good idea of what you're going to get. Yeah, if I was uh, the Jets owner one of the Johnsons, I would have uh, fired him right there after seeing the press conference. Yeah, I mean, you look back at it and you're like, well, he probably should have known how this was going to go based on how the press conference went. And You know, New York media talked for weeks about, uh, you know, his, his opening conference. So I'll have to take a look at it. And, uh, you know, that's a good, it's a good way. We're going to, we're going to start this off just by recapping this, this coach, uh, I realize I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I introduced myself. I'm Max Carroll. I'm joined by my co-host Austin Weinrich, who uh, who's who's just doing his thing over there. Um, but yeah, let's start off with with some of this coach stuff. Uh, obviously, you know we got the Super Bowl coming up in a week. We're going to talk about that. We're going to do a separate show for that later this week. But uh, and we'll give you our initial thoughts before we sign off here. But this uh, this coaching carousel seems to be rounded out here and. Finished up with the Houston Texans hiring their head coach. You got the background on this guy? Yes, David Culley. Seems like he's been around the league a decent amount of time. He's 65, so a bit on the older side. And he's been the assistant head coach, wide receivers coach, and passing game coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know if you've watched the Baltimore Ravens the past two seasons, but... uh. It was never their passing game that really stood out to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's a, a good point. Uh, this is an offense that I believe they rushed for, set a record last year or two years ago for uh, for rushing yards per game over 200. And this year, I think they were at like 190. So they just want to run the ball. I mean, they don't, you know, what did this guy do? Uh, I'm curious, but. Uh, the Texans were the last team to hire a coach, and it was not Eric Bieniemy. So let's let's get to that in a second. I'm curious how you feel about that with Bieniemy again not getting a job. But this uh, this whole thing with David Culley, he interviewed for the job, and his comments are kind of confusing to me. So it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Texans did not. Uh, higher. So Deshaun Watson made his comment saying that he wanted to be traded before they hired a coach. Right? Yeah. So the head coach coming in knows that this guy doesn't want to be here. So you're taking the job with the premise that this guy is not happy and we're probably going to have to trade him. So chances are he's not going to be here, right? You would assume so. Okay, so with that said, his his comments, he said, uh, and this this is from ESPN. It says uh, David Coley says he took the Houston Texans coaching job, knowing Deshaun Watson was the team's quarterback. So right off the bat, uh, you're taking the job with him saying that he's not going, that he doesn't want to play for this team. Doesn't matter who the coach is, right? He said that. So. This guy comes in and he says, he's the quarterback of the Houston Texans, and that's all that I was concerned about, Coley said when asked about his knowledge of Watson's status. 
That's all I knew, and whatever was being said about what he wanted to do or didn't want to do, all I know is this. He is a Houston Texan, and I wanted to be a Houston Texan, and the reason I'm in this position today is because I knew he's going to be a Houston Texan. The outside stuff that was being said is irrelevant to me. The problem I have with this is that final thing, the outside stuff that was being said. It wasn't outside stuff. It came from Deshaun Watson himself. <laughs> it literally came from the horse's mouth. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, that's just the media making it up. So either yeah. this guy's delusional or, I don't know, maybe Watson has to pull a James Harden and just get fat. <laughs> yes. Get traded. That's a good point. I, and I, I know that that was a long quote, but just to put it in context, the outside stuff that was being said is irrelevant. It cannot be irrelevant when that outside stuff, quote unquote, is being said by the guy that you are talking about. So what I, I is he coming in like I don't I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's not like he has a previous relationship with Deshaun Watson that he talked to him on the side. So I don't know why he thinks that. Yeah, and, and you know, this is all a game. I mean, Deshaun Watson says he wants to be traded. Then the GM comes out and says, we don't have any interest in trading him. And now, uh, you know, let's let's this all ties in with this Stafford deal now, right? The big news coming out just today or la- or yesterday, last last uh, yesterday evening was that Stafford traded to the Rams. And you have the specifics in front of you? Yes, it was uh, the 2022 first-round pick of the Rams, the 2023 first-round pick of the Rams, a third-round pick this year, and Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford. All right, so Stafford gets two ones. Um, Do the Rams even have a first-round pick this year? No, that was traded for Jalen Ramsey. Okay, so they don't, so they don't have a first round pick for the next three years. They haven't had their first round pick since 2016. They've traded in 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23. That's crazy. So this this brings me to a question: Does the NFL need to bring in the the Stephen rule? in the NBA, which is you're not allowed to trade your first round picks consecutively. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure, but it is an interesting thought because it'll, it kind of forces it. It it doesn't allow you to just keep trading those picks away that are, I mean, they're important, but I guess it's up to the team to just, they leave it up to the team to decide if they, want to keep those picks or not but i mean in my mind the rams you know it's not like a golf golf had some awful games some awful games but unless you think that stafford is the quarterback that is going to now put you over the top you just mortgaged your future for the next three years and i mean you don't have any first round picks from what it sounded like to me is they went after they offered the second first round pick to get off the Jared Goff contract because that Jared Goff contract is horrible. Yeah, it was bad. And when they when they first gave it to him, I mean, he was he was coming off a, a pretty good year. And I'm not sure what's happened to him since, but I I don't know. I mean, I know Stafford you know, he's had some some good years. I think he has six four thousand yard seasons. He's got a two to one touchdown to interception ratio, which, I mean, that's that's not great. You know, I mean, if you throw thirty touchdowns, you're throwing fifteen picks. So I, I don't know. I just don't. If and that bring, let's go back to Deshaun Watson now because. Stafford gets two ones and a three. So what is Deshaun Watson going to get? I think you have to start at three ones, and then that's the opening negotiation from the team trying to get him. And 
the Texans are going to ask probably for four, maybe five. So the, ins- the Houston Texans insider tweeted out the what what I guess and and you know he's an insider whether he's got the correct information or not is is you know questionable but uh, he tweeted out the demands or at least the starting point for the Texans and it's it's pretty close to what you said when it's all said and done so what he tweeted out was they're going to want Okay, first of all, he starts off by saying the Rams-Lions trade will have nothing to do with a Watson trade, which is bogus because it's like contracts in the NFL. The team, you know, quarterbacks wait and they're like, oh, if, if you give this guy this, then I'm asking for this. I mean, he may be saying, like, it might depend where that team's drafting because obviously, let's say, I know the big rumor has been the Jets – which we've been talking about since the beginning. Yeah. The Jets' first-round pick at number two is definitely more valuable than any Rams' first-round pick. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, The Jets have the ammunition to do it if they want to. Uh, Whether they want to or not, that's that's another story. But uh, what he, what he tweeted out was that they'll want two ones, so two first round picks, two second round picks, and two young defensive starters at the least. So that's the starting point. Um, and then he goes on to say Watson's twenty five years old, under contract, three time Pro Bowler. And the last thing he writes is start with the Jets. <laughs> so. Everybody knows the Jets have the ammunition to do it, whether they want to or not. I mean, in this article that I'm looking through, and this is on a a website called The Spun, uh, you know, the Jets don't really have, you know, if you're talking about two defensive start, two young defensive starters, uh, the Jets don't really have anybody that stands out outside of Quinnen Williams, the the D lineman. But... All right, um... Well, I have this from Peter King. He tweeted out that the Lions had six teams competing for Stafford. The Rams, obviously, being the ones that landed him. The Panthers, Broncos, Colts, 49ers, and Josina Anderson reports for Washington. Okay, so the Jets weren't even on that list. Um, which... I mean, I again, I, it goes back to what I said. I don't know. But would the Jets even want Stafford? Stafford's more of a win-now team quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Deshaun Watson is, in my mind, Deshaun Watson is better than Stafford. And I don't, I don't know if anybody would argue with that. But, I mean, yeah, I agree. I don't think Stafford, I don't think, if, if I was a team, unless you're trying to win right now, and I still wouldn't have given up that much. You know? I mean, but that's that's just me. And I don't think the Jets... You talk about Salah, the head coach. He's a defensive guy. Is he really going to want to trade away, you know, defensive starters? He's a defensive guy. That's what he's going to... That's his focus. So, uh, out of those teams, the Panthers, Broncos, Colts 49ers, and Washington... I would probably lean Washington might be the best then according to that tweet you have from that Texans insider. Yeah, and do you have what they would be able to offer as far as picks? I mean, the picks would just be, uh, they don't have any extra draft capital as far as I know. It would just be their picks. Probably the next two firsts this year's and next year's. Uh... The seconds they'll probably do like twenty three or twenty four or something like that. You know what I'm saying? You obviously yeah. give up your first and second, and then they have what was it Josh Sweat would be a nice young defensive lineman for the Texans. Yeah, it's just you know you're taken away from you know you're basically stealing from Peter to pay Paul, as they say. 
Uh, you know, you're taking away from that D line, which is the strength of your defense. And not only that, but trading away picks and like like uh, the insider's name is uh, his last name is McLean. Uh, John Mc John McLean, <laughs> diehard baby. Um, he, uh, you know, he said, and and that's what they're starting with is two firsts. I mean, that's that's the start to get your foot in the door to be invited to the table. You need to start with that. It's a lot. It's definitely a lot. Um, listen, if Washington didn't miss with uh, Haskins, um, they probably <laughs> wouldn't be in this position. Yeah, what a what a what a bust that was. I mean, that just goes. I mean, uh, for all the complaining we do about Daniel Jones, imagine. I know going up to that draft, there was talk that they were going to take Haskins. And I would have probably been more upset if they took Haskins. Yeah, I can deal with Daniel Jones at six over. <laughs> yeah. Haskins at what? What was it, 15 or 13 or something? Yeah, it was, yeah something like that. Um, uh, so, yeah, this whole quarterback thing, I mean, it's it's a little... As you know, from my personal point of view, it's a little disturbing to me because the NFL seems like it's headed in a direction that the a NBA is currently in, with stars just forcing their way out. Yeah, I mean, it is a lot harder because, in theory, the Texans could find. I think Watson up to it's like fifteen to fifty thousand dollars a day that he would miss from training yeah. stuff. So, yeah, I think for, for each preseason game he misses, he gets fined over half a million. He's like 600,000, I think is the number, but, um, yeah, I mean, what is he going to do? He's going to pull a, uh, a Le'Veon Bell and, you know, retire. And then he's got to sit out a year. Well, no, uh, Le'Veon Bell was, franchise tag so he could just not sign his tag and not be fined or anything and he's just not eligible well it's because so could he retire and then just sit out a year um i know in hockey this happened with the devils when kovalchuk just went back to russia the devils yeah. had a 10-year deal yeah and they just had to pay half a million to keep his rights so no matter what i think it was like it was almost like a five-year thing i think yeah, it's he, as long as the contract was yeah if he came if he came back he would still have to play for the devils right yes he had to wait i think it was four or five years before he could sign with another team and i think he ended up waiting the four or five years and then <laughs> yeah he was gone for a while and he i mean that uh, you're a Devils fan. I'm, I I don't know if you have the inside scoop on why he left in the first place. If he was just unhappy with the organization, but uh, that's a long time to step away from the NHL, the premier hockey league in the in the in the world. Well, the thing was, he's like best friends with Putin. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He uh, he, he really was best friends with, like Putin. And he was getting paid more to play in the KHL than the NHL. That's wild. That that's wild. I, I, I guess that then it makes then it makes more sense. Um, so just a couple of things more on Deshaun Watson here. You already brought it up about these fines. All right. So this says uh, Adam Schefter reported if Watson doesn't show up to the ma mandatory minicamp, he'll be fined ninety five thousand dollars. Uh, missing OTAs is no problem, uh, as they're typically considered voluntary. So anything mandatory for minicamp, he'll be fined just under a hundred grand. Uh, if Watson holds out through training camp, they can fine him fifty thousand per day. And if he misses for e for each preseason game he misses, he will be fined one week salary of sixty uh, six hundred and twenty thousand. All right, so. 
if he decides that he does want to retire, which is what we were just talking about, the Texans would collect $21.6 million and uh, if he does retire, you, and you just said it, if he does retire, it doesn't mean that they lose his rights. Should he unretire, he would return back to the Texans. So that's not really an option. If you're going to have to return anyway, then you're just giving up money. You might as well just play. No, it's strip clubs and getting fat. That's because uh, I'm sure. I mean, hopefully, hopefully COVID's gone and done with by the time next football season. But I would doubt it. So yeah. you, you just break uh, COVID protocols and then you're just you, know, you miss the game, but it's nothing you did technically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, unless they can prove that you kind of went out of your way to do it, which I don't know. The, the, the Titans broke protocol all the time and no one gave a shit. Yeah, that's true. Bucket. But the Raiders yeah. got punished, so I don't know. Yeah, nobody knows. Nobody knows. And it's just kind of, it's, I mean, outside of the Browns game, this the playoffs, you really haven't heard anything about it, you know? No, so either teams are taking it really seriously or the NFL is just. They've just given up caring. Yeah, <laughs> more lax with it and not report. yeah. reporting it. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but you know it's bad when the when your your star quarterback hasn't spoken to the GM since uh, since the end of the season. So, uh, and you also know it's bad when things have seemingly gotten worse with Bill O'Brien not there, which almost felt like that was impossible. It was like, all right, let's start with getting rid of Bill O'Brien because it's been miserable. It can only get better. No, it's gotten worse, actually. Bill O'Brien should call up the Texans owner and say, see, the Rams traded trade away all their picks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not that crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, you know, they trade away all their picks and uh, got something a little bit better than David Johnson. And Laramie Tunzel. Laramie Tunzel, yeah. I mean, Laramie Tunzel's been, been pretty good, but... Uh, you know, it almost negates it with the way that Watson plays, like having a left tackle that's actually good because Watson takes so many sacks anyway, just trying to make plays. Yeah, it's almost like they could have spent those those two picks on offensive linemen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And develop them with Watson. Yeah, it's kind of just the whole, I mean, yeah, going back to Bill O'Brien, it's, it's just weird how this whole Texans franchises has handled things over the last couple of years. But um, I'm curious, you know, you brought up the whole James Harden thing and we talked about how the NBA is pretty much, you know, if you, if you're playing somewhere and you don't want to play there anymore, you just tell them I'm not going to play here anymore. And they trade you. It's, it's like very simple to, it's, it's very easy to get your way. Um, I don't remember the last time that a star player said, I want, to get out of town and they said eh, you're just gonna have to suck it up because we're not going to trade you no it's like all right we'll get rid of you and that's exactly what houston did with westbrook and houston did with Harden. now harden comes to new york and he's playing for the nets uh is it as simple as just show up out of shape um i don't think so for <laughs> Hudson, but the thing with the nba that's different is there's only like three maybe four like top powerful agents for all the superstars yeah you have uh what is it clutch and someone else i forget the other one name those are like the two big ones clutch and another one and see if i can find the name for you but yeah i know it's like uh it's almost like a monopoly on agents yeah so if you don't trade that superstar and you're that GM and then he just runs his course and then he signs with a free agent somewhere else. You're never getting another star player again because that agent will remember that and tell all his clients don't go there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, you pretty much, it hurts you more to, uh, 
to not trade the person away and and appease them. Is it uh, Excel Sports? Is that what you're thinking of? Mm, no. I'm looking at the list here, and the amount of money that these agents pull in is just... Uh, Much, I think, is like part-owned by Bron James. Um, yeah, I see CAA. Yep, CAA. That's it. Yeah. And then Excel Sports has uh, some of the top agents. Number one, number one agent in the business. His name is Jeff Schwartz of Excel Sports Management. And cumulative salaries of the players that he represents is almost half a billion dollars. Yeah, Rich Paul is the... Yeah, yeah Rich Paul is number three on the list. He... He represents LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and John Wall. Yeah, I'd say those are some pretty good clients. Yeah, yeah, not bad. You're doing pretty well. Um, but yeah, I just don't. I don't want to see the. Uh, I don't want to see the NFL go in that direction. No, I don't think anyone does. But the thing with the NFL is, the NFL is definitely more of a team sport than the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, you're not. You don't have the salary cap. Uh, issues in the NBA that you have in the NFL. Um, so that, you know, that that poses some issues where you can't just, you know, the, the NBA is weird. Like, if you look at, like, bird rights and supermax and all that stuff, there are so many, like, things that the NBA does that you, like, you basically need a degree to know how their cap system works. Well, it all it all came back when they had the lockout. What was that? Thirteen or something, or fourteen? Yeah. The last NBA lockout, they changed everything because they used to sign these players to these crazy long deals, and then you realize, oh wait, I'm paying this guy thirty-five million dollars when he's going to be thirty-five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, now, I mean, I. I it's it's crazy because you can only offer people max and super max if they actually make uh, the all NBA team, which is voted on by like the media, which is really yeah. yeah. The media plays a role in how much money you can get paid. Um, one thing I do like about the NBA is that they cap their. I know with the super max you can go up to five years, and I kind of do like that they cap the years. Yes, but that's also part of the problem why players can move around so easily. And you see yeah. with the NBA that more people are attached to a player more than a team. Yeah, no, I and I yeah, I agree. It, it adds to the issue. I just think like if you're going to sign a four year deal, um, which unless you're getting this, if you're not signing a super max deal, I think the the max years you can sign is four. Uh, I believe that's the case. You're going to sign a deal for four years. And then after a year, say, I want out, trade me. There's uh, How is there not like a penalty for, I guess the team doesn't have to do anything, but it's like, there's just, there's no, there's nothing deterring the player from doing that. It already happened. You don't remember Paul George? What happened Paul to him? Paul George literally got traded to OKC, played one season there, and said, oh, everyone knew he wanted to go to the Lakers. This was before LeBron got there. He was going to go there with LeBron two years ago. And then I think the NBA kind of put a squash to it, saying, no, you're not doing this because that's bullshit. Yeah. And, uh, like, they were going to charge the Lakers with tampering with him. So he, he then re-signs with OKC for like a, a max contract and then immediately plays one more season there and then says, oh, I want out. And he gets traded to the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the players have a lot of power and they're really, I mean, the teams are at the, in the NBA at least, the teams are at the, the players' mercy. It's just... It's just crazy. 
you know, the, the players run the league. And I guess in the NBA, when it's such a, you know, it's a team game, but you, you're not going to win. It's not, it's not the NFL where, you know, you could have a, you could have a great quarterback and then, uh, you know, like Brady with the Patriots, like who, besides the, the couple Super Bowls that they won in the early two thousands with that great defense, I mean, they didn't have any star players. No, not until probably the 07 season when they brought in like Moss and all those guys. Yeah, the NBA, if you have like you're not you're not winning unless you have two superstars. You know? Yeah, that is definitely a problem with the NBA. And the biggest problem is everyone wants to just go to the Lakers, the Clippers, Boston, and like Miami. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I mean, even with the Nets. Yeah, there's only a few destination things. Well, the best part is the Nets are better than the Knicks. And guess who's getting the front page of the post in the New York Daily News? It's still the Knicks. Yeah. uh, Quigley. Yeah, the Knicks have actually been one of the... Yeah, they've been one of the more surprising teams. I don't know, like, the Nets with Harden, Irving, and Durant. First of all, Irving is like a basket case. He's, he's, I don't know what the hell is going on in his head, but it just seems like like he does, if he doesn't feel like playing, then he just doesn't show up. And then when he does play, he plays well, but he doesn't play any defense. The, the Nets, I I don't know. I have to look up the Nets uh, because you watch a Nets game, like it's, it, I don't know how you can call it basketball. (laughs) <laughs> outscore the other team i what did they 145 and they lost in double overtime a couple i like think probably a week ago now to the Cavs. yeah um i'm looking at the what date what date did harden get traded on uh that's probably two and a half weeks ago probably like the 16th or something january 14th all right january 14th all right so let's look at these box scores all right, first game with Harden, they give up 115. Next game, 123. And then the game that you talked about, 147 to the Cavs. Um, then the next night, they give up 125 to the Cavs. And this is a team that, like, their offensive efficiency is the Cavs. I mean, they're not very efficient. No, they've definitely gotten better. Colin Sexton's. Oh no, they've got they they're definitely better. They're kind of like the Knicks this year. Like they they're a surprise team. They've been playing well. Uh 124 to the Heat. And they actually they held the team under 100. Uh 128 to the Hawks, 125 to the Thunder. Like you're just constantly giving up 120 plus points. Uh what <laughs> it's not it's not basketball. <laughs> Uh, here's a little uh, random trivia question. You know, uh, sports cards have been making like a huge comeback. Yeah. Price wise. What do you think the most valuable sporting card is? Football, basketball, hockey, or baseball? I just, I think you're asking, I just saw a story about this, but I forget who the player was. There was a card that sold for a crazy amount of money. It was baseball. It was, I believe it was. Op- yes. The most valuable card ever, I think, is it might be like a Griffey upper deck rookie card. It used to be. Uh, it's Honus Wagner. I, oh, believe was, I believe it was Honus Wagner was the most expensive card that went for auction. But who, who, uh, who are you referring to? No, it's basketball cards are the most valuable cards right now. It's insane. Oh, just in general, like the yeah. sport. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little surprising. I w- if I if I had to guess, I I probably would have said baseball, just because it's been around for so long. Like if somebody has a card from like, you know, like the cards from the twenties and the thirties, you know. Those guys, those have to be worth a fortune. 
yeah, they probably just don't exist anymore. That's the problem. And I when you think about it, they're called baseball cards. Like that's what I've always called them. Yeah. Never trading cards. They're baseball cards. Yeah, I mean, when I collected tons of baseball cards growing up, I never called them trading cards. But looking at, um, I did see that they had a Tom Brady rookie card, I believe, that went for a little over half a million the other day. Yes, Tom Brady, and I'm sure Patrick Mahomes will go for a crazy amount. But let's he, see. All right, a Zion Williamson card was worth so much last year. Yeah, it looks like the says the the current record price for for a trading card was just under four million. And it was a Mike Trout 2009 draft prospects. Yeah, um, I've looked at like cards now, and I'm like, "What is this Panini?" Blah blah blah. I don't know. I I don't understand cards anymore. The cards to me was always, "Oh, uh, let me go down to like either like a Seven Eleven or a local shopper," and it was, "Oh, let me pick up." A pack of cards, but now, now it's like I'm. You got me looking at this now. I'm looking at the most expensive trading, uh, the most expensive trading cards just in general. All right, so it's a little outdated. This was written uh, July 8th of last year. So at the time, and the the trout card went for 3.9 million in August of 2020. So this was written just before that. But number one on the list was Honus Wagner, three point one million. Uh, it's like a, it's a portrait. Like it's it's not like it's, it just looks like a portrait of like a former president. And uh, so he, that's number one, sold in twenty sixteen. Number two, a Yu Gi Oh card. A Yu Gi Oh card. I do know Yu Gi Oh. I don't know like. I remember seeing the show as a kid, but I don't know anything about it besides that. Yeah, it was like a spinoff of Pokemon. Yeah, crappy uh, version of Pokemon. Yeah, went for this. This uh, it's a tournament black luster soldier card. Went for two million. Okay. And then sports related, as you go down the list, Babe Ruth, number three, a nineteen fifteen card. Went for 1.3. Mickey Mantle, 1952. Joe Jackson. How did this Yu-Gi-Oh card get in here? I don't know. There's like there's another game called like Magic the Gathering that has like some crazy value for cards too. Yeah, I was watching a show the other day and they had uh um this guy went to buy a like limited edition Charizard Pokemon card. Uh Charizard man bro <laughs> yeah I, it wasn't quite this expensive but i mean what people get for these cards is uh is oh yeah crazy. if we saved our pokemon cards as kids we'd be retired right now uh yeah <laughs> yeah and i had hey i had a uh what is it a hollow holo, um what was it called holographic yeah Sorry. and then it would matter if it was like first edition there was something called shadowless where the the computer like fucked up and didn't put a shadow on the side of the car. That was even more rare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, outside of the Yu-Gi-Oh card, they're all up. Oh, nope. Number 12 on the list. Pokemon. Raichu. Okay. That surprised me. I thought it'd definitely be a Charizard. Pre-release Raichu. It, uh, is, uh... it was probably like they released like 10 of them or something. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly 10. Wow. Um, only 10 were ever made. <laughs> uh, and they were, they were solely made for the employees of the distributor of the cards. Ah, oh, that's pretty sick. And so there's 10 of them sold for 250K. Um, quarter of a million bucks. That list is kind of outdated because I literally just looked up a... Zion Williamson jump. It's called NBA Treasures 2019. It's a 
dual NBA logo man, Zion Williamson, John Moran, with uh, their autographs, probably like, you know, computer printed. Yeah. Rated 9.5. It's on sale for 500K. Yeah, so that so that's the thing. This so this list is cards that were actually like that traded hands and were sold. So yeah, if you have a card and it hasn't been sold, then I guess it wouldn't be on this list. But yeah, I mean what was it, five hundred K? Yep. Okay. So yeah, if it sells then it's gonna knock some of these off. Now we're getting into some Pokemon stuff here. <laughs> we got uh we got a P- number 14 on the list, a Pikachu Pikachu Illustrator. It was given out to winners of a comic book contest in 97 and 98. 39 were made, but less than 10 exist in good condition. So well, what yeah. Hap- That'd be the problem is I would get the kid as a card be like, oh, I won this comic book contest. And then I'd play with it and it would get destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you weren't, you're not thinking about this when you're growing up with this stuff. I mean, 97, 98, that's, I mean, I had a ton of Pokemon cards at the time, and I don't know what happened to them, but um, a Ka- Kangaskhan. Kang- uh, Kangaskhan? Kangaskhan? Yeah, Kangaskhan. In 1998, uh, another P- Pokemon tournament. Uh, they gave it out to the uh, as a reward for the winner of the event. And that sold for 133000 Number 16 on the list. I wonder how this feels for Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan rookie card. 1986-87 rookie card. Comes in behind one, two, three Pokemon cards. <laughs> and a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Yeah, but it's also a factor of, you know, like, that random Pokemon card that there were only 10 ever made of. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this, this stuff has all come back. I mean, you know, Pokemon go and the stuff is like cyclical 20 years later. Now we're, we're seeing this stuff come back and it's driving up the value. Um, it's, um, so. they said it's a big nostalgia generation thing. It's like our generation has money. Now we remember that stuff as a kid. So we're buying it. Speaking yeah. of which, not to jump topics too much, but the whole GameStop scandal. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew this was coming. We've been talking about this for a few days now, but uh, how about this? Um, we're not going to get too much into uh, the, the, the stock thing, but how, do, how does it feel that the Mets owner is now off Twitter after, you know, talking shit, basically? Yeah, I mean, he he kind of was asking for it. He, uh, he, you talk about like inciting a riot. Um, his his tweets. I, that's basically what he was doing. I mean, he's like he was telling. He's like, come at me. Yeah, you know, uh, trolls come at me. He does have a shady past. He's been convicted of insider trading, or he paid a big enough fine that he wasn't technically convicted, but. He didn't have to admit guilt, but everybody knows he's guilty. And he wasn't allowed to trade in the stock market for two years. Then his his old buddy is running the hedge fund that is shorting GameStop. And he just loans his old buddy a billion dollars. Imagine if I just loaned you a billion dollars saying, oh, here you go. Just stay afloat for a little bit, Max. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, hey, it'd be nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, this whole thing, it's, uh, it's been fascinating. I really haven't gotten on the train. I know we've, you know, just, you know, it, within our group of friends, we've talked about our kind of, uh, you know, what what we've done over the past few days to to kind of ride the waves a little bit. But I mean, you got you got these people on Reddit, just. Uh, you know, it's like a cult. You read some of this stuff, and I know I sent something out to to you and a couple other guys the other day, and I read it. Uh, whoever the the administrator is on this site, he wrote something, and I was like, "Damn, that got me pumped up." No wonder people are buying all this shit. You know, I I sent a text not to the group I'm in with you, but to another group, saying that some of the memes on Wall Street bets are better than 
90% of uh, cable television. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, who needs, who needs TV for your entertainment? Just go to these, go to these Reddit sites and these, you know, stock twits is a big one um, where people are just putting this stuff on there and a lot of money flowing a lot of, I mean, I saw one guy, what he turned, you know, 50 K into 11 million because of this. I mean, you got people that are just, and, and even, uh, you know, Portnoy's getting involved in this. He was calling out Steve Cohen, too. Yeah, that was a big thing. It's Cohen kind of went after uh, Portnoy, and that's not the best move, honestly. Social media is Portnoy's game. Yeah, and, I, and it was kind of cool to see, you know, Portnoy kind of sticking up for the, the little guy that's trying to trying to make some, some money off this, and Everybody knows it's a sham. That's what's crazy about it. I mean, uh, listen, I, 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 uh, you know, I play video games and, and that's, you know, you talk about generational stuff. I mean, millennials, you know, they seem to be the big, the first. We're the the ones with the money now. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I can't remember the last time I walked into a GameStop. Uh, It's digital. Yeah. Not Last time I walked in was probably last year, Black Friday. I got a switch. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, there's certain things you'll go there for. But, I mean, GameStop was like, what, 18 bucks? Was it even 18 bucks? I mean. Yeah, at its lowest point, I think it was like 13 or something. And what'd it go to? 400? Yeah, almost <laughs> almost five, then back down to like one eighty. Now I think it's hovering around three. Yeah, I mean, that's that's insanity. That's like that's like cryptocurrency type stuff, and uh, you know, Dogecoin, which is based off of a meme. I don't even think it has any sort of value at all. It is went up a lot, like. 700 percent in a yep. day it went to uh five cents a dogecoin and then robin hood stopped letting it being traded <laughs> yeah yeah we didn't even mention that i mean that's, that's a whole nother part of the scan <laughs> that's that's ridiculous that's, that's going too deep into the weeds let me let's save you from yourself you <laughs> amateur trader that knows nothing hey dumb yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're doing this for your own good stop making money yeah, yeah, dumb dumb. I know you you just turned, you know, one thousand into ten thousand dollars. Uh, but you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Have you ever thought about what you could buy with ten K? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't do that. You're gonna buy something stupid. No, you you need to build character and you need to lose your money. That's how that's how you learn your lesson. And uh yeah, that's just it's it's been, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going on in the world? I mean, some of this stuff is just crazy, and every think, day it's something new. I think the bigger issue is, which I wanted to touch on, was, you know, Cohen came in as the savior of the Mets, and what would you say, 98% of the fan base was so excited for him? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now and now a lot of people are are turning on him. Literally, Boomer Esiason has turned on him, unless he can prove that he had nothing to do with this. Yeah, and I don't. I I wouldn't think that Steve Cohen's gonna have to try to prove anything to Boomer Esiason. But I mean, I'm sure Boomer's speaking for a lot of people. Yeah, you know? uh, me specifically. I mean, I'm not a diehard Mets fan, but I always rooted for the Mets. But anytime you're bailing out the company that is shorting GameStop, it's a little uh, it's a little shady. Just loaning someone a billion dollars and you i mean you look at the mets fan base just to take it to another level the the mets fan base is not the yankees fan base i mean the mets fan base is looked at and you're like all right these guys are you know it's like they're grinders you know like like they they they're the epitome of this group that is is on reddit doing this yeah the the blue collar it was always you know most most team, most towns with two teams in it, usually 
there's a so-called white-collar fan base and a blue-collar fan base, and the Mets have always been the blue-collar fan base. Yeah, it's like the you know the Rangers and the Islanders. The the Rangers are your white collar fan base. Your Islanders are your blue collar, and that's that's the way it works. And I'd say probably for the Giants and the Jets, the Giants are probably the white collar, and the Jets are the blue collar. That's just, you know it's like the little the little brother is your blue collar. Yes, usually that seems to be the case. And uh, so he's in a tough spot right now. I mean, he's a band. Twitter saying it's because they attacked his family, which I'm sure people did, but yeah. you know everyone knows those people are assholes. Yeah, I I'd like to think that that's the minority. Uh, those people that are actually making threats to your family to families. I mean, that's that's not cool, obviously. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't look good. Um, a lot of seems to be conflict of interest, and um, yeah, I know. I mean, you're not you're you're a Mariners fan, but. If if we were going to a to a Mets game, you know, you'd you'd go to the game and I would definitely go to the Mets. <laughs> yeah, we ticket, you know, at the time tickets were cheap and you know, I haven't been to a Mets game in a in a couple of years now, but um, you know, it's it's more of, you know, hey, let's go have a good time, we'll tailgate, have you know, have some fun. But now I could see a lot of people just saying, ah, I'm not gonna spend any money on the Mets. This guy's a crook. Yeah, so maybe that's why because he he tried to buy the Dodgers back when the Dodgers were up for sale, and the MLB wanted nothing to do with. Him. Yeah, I don't I don't remember when that was, but I know he's been trying to like this guy has enough money to buy like three sports teams. Yeah, I think he's worth what was it nine billion or thirteen billion or something. Yeah, I, I want to say it was like in the the low teens, and just got more money than he knows what to do with, and it, it you know up until this. It was refreshing. I mean, he he was engaging with the fan base, something that the Wilpons never did. They never talked about anything that mattered, and they never spent any money. And you're like, all right, this guy's got he's um, he's immediately the richest owner in sports. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's insane. Yeah, he immediately. It's like holy shit. Like as a Mets fan, you're like, all right, we're finally going to spend some money. And you see, they signed. Trevor May, who's one of the top relievers in the game, they tr- they trade for Lindor. They they're making moves, and you're feeling good. And then this happens, and it just kind of like ruins the momentum. And it doesn't even have anything to do with baseball. That's the problem is they haven't even made it to a game yet, and he's already involved in the second scandal. This isn't even the first scandal with the Mets before yeah. games are played. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's. It's pretty wild, and it's two years in a row now. You know, last year with Beltron, before the season even starts, they got to get rid of him because of the cheating thing. And now, again, before the season starts, when you're, like, optimistic that this is going to be a good year, now this happens. And, yeah, it's got nothing to do with the sport, but it still affects the fan base. Yeah, and if they do open it up to fans, you know, when that finally time comes again, I wouldn't be surprised the Mets get booed everywhere now. Not even yeah. for like it not it's not even the player's fault. It's yeah. just he's going to be to a hostile crowd now for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah, unless uh unless something comes out that like you said, I mean, not I, I don't I don't feel confident that you know, he's probably like I don't have to prove anything to you guys, you know, what what I'm not going to do that, but uh, unless he does, I could see this being a lingering issue. For the sure. problem is, even if he's found nothing to do with it, just the fact that he loaned his buddy a billion dollars who's involved in it. Yeah. yeah. Or, well, you've already lost the public perception. No matter what the SEC finds or if there's even an investigation, who knows? People will always think he's guilty now. Yeah, it's like it's like taking a uh, you know a plea deal, like oh you took a plea deal or you settled out of court. That guy's guilty, or she's guilty. You know, it doesn't matter what the reasoning was or anything. It's just that's the perception. Public perception, uh, you know, they say perception is reality. Uh, unless you know the whole story, that's that's what everyone's truth is going to be. And um, yeah, I mean, even the you know the guy, the founder of Robinhood. 
you know, it's just like <laughs> it's like he does a press conference and oh my god, that guy's <laughs> murdered on Twitter. It's, <laughs> it's insane. It's just crazy, and the fact that Cohen, you know, uh, it seems like they're all in bed with each other. It's just not a good look. Not a good look, but. Hey, so uh, let's give a. You want to give some quick hits on the Super Bowl, and then. Yeah, yeah. Just a quick initial thoughts. We've we've talked about a lot today. Um, I'd even be fine with just leaving it at that, but we're gonna finish up with some of our initial takes on this Super Bowl, and let's see if I could bring up. Looking so much stuff here that I uh, I lost track of. The Super Bowl odds. I think it's minus three. Yeah, it's been minus three. Yeah, let's see. Minus three. So currently on DraftKings Sportsbook, it's minus three and a half. The Chiefs. Um, you know, the whole Brady story. You know, <laughs> just one second it is. Yeah, twenty twenty years in the league, right? Is this his twenty first? Um. I'm not sure when when his rookie year was either 2000 or 2001. I think it was I think it was 2000. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So 2000. So this would be his 21st season. If you take out the year that he got hurt, that's 20. And then a lot of people have been minusing his rookie year because he didn't play. So since he's been a starter, 10 Super Bowl appearances out of 19 years. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Uh, no, because even if Mahomes is to go to the next 10, we're going to be 40, 45. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, what's Mahomes? He's, what, 20, 20 is he 25? Yes, I think so, 25. Yeah, and he's turning 26 soon. I yeah, think. so, I mean, you're talking about, yeah, that's it's crazy. I mean, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, this, despite everything Brady's done, it's been amazing. What worries me about the Chiefs in this game is their defense and being able to slow down Brady. But I, I just think the Chiefs are too good. That's that's my those are my initial thought. That's my initial thought. Yeah. Um, the way to beat the Chiefs is we've seen it. You got to run the ball and control the clock. And the Bucks have, have been able to do it decently so far. But, uh, you know, there's just bad stretches that the Bucks play, even in that Green Bay game when they were dominating the game. And then all of a sudden they let Green Bay come back in the second half because, you know, it's a holding penalty. It's a full start. Yeah. I, I So undisciplined. Yeah. And I, what I heard after that game from a lot of people, you know, a lot of analysis was that, oh, Brady played a great game. Doesn't matter that he th- threw three picks. Um, you know, they were basically punts. And it's like, no, but that's that's like momentum. You know, your Bucks defense, or I'm sorry, not the Bucks, the, the Packers defense, I mean, their secondary. They had three picks, but they did not play well. Well, so, one person played well, yeah. Jair Alexander, and then the rest of the secondary, uh, Kevin King, he was uh, talking about memes like we were talking about before. There were just memes of his first half. It was him on the ground, him <laughs> up the hail, not really Hail Mary, but that late touchdown pass to Scotty Miller. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If you give you give Patrick Mahomes three extra possessions, I mean, that's you're not going to win the game if you give that offense three extra possessions. I mean, we've seen this game already, and it was the Tyreek Hill show. I think he had, what, seven catches, three touchdowns, and like a buck 70 in a quarter, basically. Yeah, yeah the first quarter. Yeah. And then yeah. the Bucks ended up coming back, making it close. But the Chiefs really dominated that game. Yeah, that was almost like a game where you were like, all right, I mean, the Chiefs, if 
if they want to win the game, they're going to win the game. You know, um, I just, uh, and I know the Bucks have, the Bucks have some serious firepower. I mean, Godwin, Evans, Antonio Brown, Fournette's been playing really well. Um, I just, you know, if I'm if I'm going Mahomes or Brady, I have to go with the guy that can move a little bit better, because that was the issue with Brady against the Packers. Is once they've got the pass rush going. That's when you saw, like, he gets really uncomfortable. He does not want to get hit anymore. Uh, one of his interceptions, I think I texted you guys saying, a younger Brady stands in there, takes that hit, and makes that throw. Yeah. That's what the play was, but it was I, definitely an interception. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was the one, I think it was one of the ones that was, like, deep down the sideline. And, and uh, I think it was the Amos. Yeah. Yeah, Amos pick, but. I can't say I blame him. I mean, he's 40, what is he, 43? Yeah. He's 43 years old. I can't blame him for not wanting to get hit. But um, you know that that's what the Chiefs are going to come in. And that's been, the, that's been the, the book on this guy for a while now. I mean, get him uncomfortable, make him move around, and he'll make mistakes. Another thing is the Bucks are starting, what is it, a right guard that's played three career games or something? I did not see that, but I know. Yeah, I know they're starting. They're starting guard. Um, I forget his name. Yeah, but, he, he's injured. He's out. And actually, a lot of the O lines injured because the Chiefs on the other side are going to be out two starting O linemen too. Yeah, I just I, I think I think that these teams are are pretty similar. Um, defensively, I give the the edge towards the Bucks. Offensively, I give it towards the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey is basically uncoverable. Uh, Tyreek Hill is, you know, he'll catch a slant and go to the house because he can just run past everybody. And, um, yeah, I think I think it's an even game. I just I have a hard time not uh, picking against the Chiefs. That's that's just me. I think the Chiefs are like, you know. The Chiefs are going to be a team that that is just going to be, you know, in the championship game at a minimum for like the next five years. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, I know I'm excited for it. This shouldn't be some boring Patriots Rams Super Bowl where I fall asleep at thirteen to three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think that. You know, the over under in this one's fifty six and a half, uh, which is high. I. There's going to be some points in this game, and I have a me, funny feeling this might be like the best-rated Super Bowl, probably the last ten years. Yeah, well, it's kind of like you know the passing of the guard, if you will, to you know from Brady to Mahomes. Um, Brady's the the all-time you know greatest quarterback. I, I don't think that there's any discussion about that anymore. Brady's Brady's the best. Um, and Mahomes is going to take that mantle now. So that's, I, that's, I know that's a big storyline and it seems like Brady's having a little more fun with it. You know, now that he's, you know, the whole conversation of, uh, was it Bill or was it Brady who made who? And I don't think that that's, I, I don't, I don't know what your feeling on it is, but I really don't think that that's really a conversation. I think Bill Belichick is the greatest head coach of all time. I and think Brady's the best quarterback. Yeah, so I think they definitely both helped each other, but you yeah, gotta he, see because Brady obviously handpicked his team. He's not gonna go to a team that sucked and everyone knew the Patriots were gonna suck this year. There was no yeah. question about it. Yeah, you put uh, the way that Cam Newton played this year, I mean I don't think you could have been you know, Bill Belichick, greatest coach in, in the history of the game. I don't think that he was going to find a way to win with Cam Newton at quarterback. But, yeah, it just seems like Brady's having having a little more fun than usual uh, being down there with Bruce Arians and the way that he talks about Bruce Arians. I know they had some issues at first. They weren't really getting along, but obviously that's, that's in the past because of where they are now. But, um, well, I think Bruce Arians finally started listening to Brady. Because Bruce Arians has always been attack, attack, attack. 
and yeah. deep. And that's probably why Winston had 30 interceptions last year or two years ago now. Yeah, and I think Brady or uh, Bruce Arians, I think uh, I, I read a quote from him the other day um, where he said, you know, a lot of the times in practice, he just doesn't even coach the offense because he just lets Brady basically do whatever he wants. And you can't say that Brady hasn't earned that. I mean, if I, if that's probably a, the best decision that Arians could have made, just just kind of let him let him do his thing and and get out of his way, give him the the tools to be successful and get out of his way. But um, which way are you leaning right off the bat here? I'm going to be leaning Chiefs, but I'm going to wait and see injury reports and if anything else comes out. Yeah, it looks like it looks like you know the minus three and a half for the Chiefs is at minus one hundred three. So it looks like. You know, right now it's leaning bucks and a lot of people probably just getting on the, you know, going with the Brady, the Brady story, but it looks like this line is going to move in the, uh, it's going to shrink a little bit, maybe go down to three. So yeah, I would, I would suggest waiting uh, a little bit and see if that comes down. If you are on the chief's end, but uh, yeah, I'm on. I'm on the Chiefs as well. We've got another week until the game, so so anything can happen between now and then, um, and, and we'll see. We'll see as the week goes on. But those are our initial thoughts. Talked about a lot today. Kind of, kind of covered uh, covered everything from you know coaching to GameStop. Uh, but it's it's all good stuff. You know, it's all in some way it's all sports related. You know. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to start transitioning to other sports soon, so. Yeah, good basketball conversation today, too, by the way. We haven't talked to any basketball, and uh, we're going we're gonna to start picking that up, especially with, uh, with the NFL coming, coming to a close here. But uh, we're going to have a, a show towards the end of the week, um, just, just going over Super Bowl stuff, Super Bowl preview, uh, some props, you know, Austin's little prop corner. Uh, he's going to have his best props, and and we're going to talk about talk about a lot of stuff uh, just relating to the Super Bowl. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And Austin, you want to throw our social media out there? Hey, right. uh, we're at Twitter at Square the Sharp. Instagram is Squaring Up the Sharp. We're also on YouTube at Squaring Up the Sharp, and you can always email us at Squaring Up the Sharp at Gmail dot com. And then uh, like and review us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so that's our show for you. And uh, check us out on social media. We'll see you at the uh, the end of this week for some Super Bowl talk. And uh, sign us off, Austin. Here's to squaring up the sharp.